It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. moment, 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 moment. What's up? I'm back. What's up, everybody? It is mic'd up. We're a couple minutes late, but we are here. I am Mika Gadsden, your host of Mic'd Up. Typically, every Friday, we're live here at Workshop. Uh, yeah, here at 1503 uh, King Street, inside the Workshop uh, Court. A food court, I always say that. But I'm here this time. I'm back after a couple of pre-recorded shows. After an absence, I'm back with a very special guest. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hello. <laughs> hey. How you sound? You love how you sound, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Not not too bad. <laughs> you sound amazing. Oh, thank you. What's your name? My name is Janelle Marvin, and I am the executive director of the Charleston Friends of the Library. Thank you, Janelle, for being here. Absolutely. So I'm going to kick off this. It's weird. I'm going to let everyone in behind the scenes, as I always do. If you're a frequent listener mic'd up on OM, you could probably play a bingo game where I mention the same technical hiccups every week, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I will say that it's a new configuration in here, so I want to make sure I can interface. You can, hold on one second. You can tell. You can say. Oh, you uh, yeah. You can't sure hear me at all? hear you in my headphones? Yeah. How about, how about now? Can you hear me? No, I only hear you outside of the headphones. Oh, that's not good. During the test, I heard you. Oh, you did hear me during the test. I don't know if your headphones is, I don't know. Hopefully y'all hear me. (laughs) Someone text me if you can't hear me. Um, Yeah, we should be fine, though. I think I'm on. Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Yeah, and I'm on there. I see my vocal. All right, then it's just me. Okay, sorry (laughs) about that. It might be the connectivity of, I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, we're here. Let me make sure all my buttons are pressed. Yeah, we're here. Okay, again, technical difficulty <laughs> when I run my own board. But, yeah, um, I wanted to sit down with Janelle because, um, like you said, you're executive director of the Charleston Friends of the Library, um, and it's a job that was held by my friend Brittany Mathis, who has since moved on. Yes. Um, but uh, over the, the years, well, since I relocated to Charleston, I really relied upon the library, as I have my whole life, for just so much. Like, the library is, is just not just a place for you to find books. It's such a big community resource. And so I wanted to know more about the people who make it work and also help me differentiate between the friends of the library and the public system, like, all that. Just kind of demystify it. But more importantly, Janelle, mm-hmm. your personal story to me is very compelling. Oh, And, and um, I, I became acquainted with you mainly because of your Instagram so we'll get into that, but just first and foremost, um, let me see. First and foremost, let me start with my list of questions. All right, so, yeah, just tell us more about your love of reading and, yeah, just who you are and, and maybe your IG page. Okay, um, yes, I, I, first of all, so happy to be here. Oh, Thank you, and I'm glad we co- we've connected. Um, I do have a quote-unquote bookstagram account, uh, which is pretty much Instagram, but for the book community. And um, I started this uh, platform or this this handle about three years ago, and the purpose was for me to connect with other readers and to get book recs and just um, really foster my love of reading in this public space um, online. And it's been amazing. I've like you have always been a fan of the library um, and reading and I find them to be these safe havens Um, but 
uh, my Instagram handle, Janelle Nicole Reads, is a place for me. It's it's almost a form of self-care because I get to share what I read. I share book recommendations. Um, I share what my children are reading. Um, and I connect with other readers on books that we like together, books that we have different opinions about. Um, I mean, we all know books serve as mirrors and windows. So having this community online has really fostered some amazing relationships. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's exactly like I mentioned. Okay. We're doing a little sound check real quick. She, (laughs) but she can't hear me, but as long as I'm on, on live James, that's all that, you know, but, um, I think I mentioned to you, I mentioned off air that for me during this like current political climate, books are an escape, but (laughs) books are an escape, uh, for me. And, um, I think some people just need a little break from some of the, the news cycle Mm -hmm. and, and, a lot of other stuff and for me books are grounding yes and i don't know like you, you strike me as a person who's not necessarily consumed with all the, the noise <laughs> is that is that true is I, am i making a fair assumption or as far as like the p- political climate yeah. well um i tend to shy away from the news um reading for me has been an escape ever since i was a child so okay. i tend to avoid conflict however i've found myself lately reading books that address those political issues and offer insight, whether it's a nonfiction book about, you know, current events, or if it's um, something where a fictional character is experiencing the same thing. Mm. Um, And that's just like my moment. However, I do learn a lot from you. Oh, wow. And I, and I really, that wasn't a setup. No, 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 (laughs) no, but I appreciate that. I think that's the one thing um, I think, I hope people understand that a lot of my, um, so I use Instagram uh, to uh, I leverage the archive. I leverage the library. I, I, I find things compelling and I share them typically via stories. People probably ask me why just stories. I like the temporariness of it. Yes. I like <laughs> to tune in when you can jump in, jump out. It's not that serious. It's not about likes. Um, but I do like how people engage with the content. But the, the work that I do feature a lot of things like today, I shared a, a quote from um, Bell Hooks. Um, that I found when I was in the library. I, I was reading Rock My Soul. Um, that book has since disappeared, and I think I know who took it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> no, it wasn't you. <laughs> um, but no, but, just, you know, so so when I encounter something that was written maybe two decades ago but still feels relevant, I want to share that with people and let you know that my opinions are not just, not, not to prove to people that I'm an informed person, but to show people that, hey, I came to these conclusions um, and some people help me along the way. Those people tend to be, you know, authors or storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a different way to engage with the current political climate is to kind of stay grounded in some theory and, or or just even like a, a fiction story that, uh, like you and I both talked about. We just finished Nickel Boys. Or yes. Not too long ago. Oh my goodness. And I mean, now that's set back in the what the sixties during like yes yeah, Jim, Crow. Jim Crow. Yeah. And so, but it's to me there were so many things within that book that can be applied to today oh absolutely it haunted me for weeks because there were so many connections and obviously i was not alive during the jim crow er era but a lot of those things resonated with me yeah so i so not just always you know the work of a scholar sometimes the really great gifted storytellers are um are very helpful to kind of help us get some perspective Mm -hmm. okay so let me ask you this um as a a person who's a, a frequenter of the library did you, I don't know if you already characterized this, um, but like the the friends of the library, the arm that you the that's the philanthropic arm of the 
Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people get yeah. the <laughs> library confused right. with the Friends of the yeah. Library. And so I do it a lot. I think I already no, did. that's perfectly <laughs> fine. So the Friends, the Charleston Friends of the Library, is a nonprofit organization solely based, with the exception of me as the paid executive director, um, based on volunteer work. Mm. Uh, our board consists of community members volunteering their time. Um, our sorting room where we process and price books consists of volunteers. Um, what we do is we advocate for the library. Mm. We raise funds for the library through various book sales throughout the year. And we are pretty much the friend of the library. Right. We back the library system up. Um, we donate time. We donate books. We donate money. And all of it goes back to the library system. That, that's amazing, though, because I think that's – I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's um, led by those who care about that, know how important the library is. Yes. So – in Charleston County, though, and again, you're not the library, but in Charleston County, we've seen a lot of growth recently. Yes. And I'm sorry, this is a question that's not written. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. As long as you feel comfortable. I think I feel, oh, I'm feeling okay. really comfortable. Right. This room is a little hey, cozy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you and you roll with us through the, through the sound. Yes. I, I we're making it. it. Yeah. Um, so, but like the new Wando branch, I've, I've visited it so many times. I've taken advantage of so many of the new amenities there. Um, the What's the branch that just opened? Baxter in? Patrick James Island. Oh, my. Yeah. Yes. So, and that's that's the seventeenth branch. So, Charleston County Public Library now has seventeen branches, wow. and um, they're that's expected to new, open. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So they moved it from Camp Road to oh, okay. uh, South Grimble Road, right. um, mm-hmm. and they're expecting to open about three more branches over really? the course of like the next year. So, does your work at the, the Friends does that help with that? Absolutely. Oh, so, okay. um, we hosted a preview party where we invited uh, patrons in the community to come check out the library before it even opened. Um, each branch receives donations from the community. So mm-hmm. if you're decluttering or, you know, cleaning out that bookshelf or, you know, yeah. or whatever, um, you take that box of books, you take it to your branch. Those, the staff there will then get it to us oh. and then we price and sort them and sell them back to the community. So it's all cyclical. Oh. Um, and the money that we raise uh, provides funding for the programs that are offered at the library. Wow. And so I know, uh, so the, the branch that's closest to me, I, I'm a native not native. I'm a resident of Wadmala. So, um, and if you're playing Mike the Bingo, that's one of the squares. I mentioned Wadmala. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, and that's where I first met you is at Johns Island Branch. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I remember being there, you were at a book sale. And so, so you have these book sales throughout, is it throughout the year? Yes. Okay. We have about five uh, okay. regional smaller sales um, Otranto, uh, Johns Island Branch. Mount Pleasant is our next one, actually, wow. in December, our it's holiday sale. And then we have one at the main branch, okay. <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. um, during the summer. And our largest one we recently had yes. was at the Omar Shrine in oh. Mount Pleasant. And that's I, called That Big Book Sale. I, lo- I loaded up on sci-fi. <laughs> I loaded up on sci-fi. I didn't know you were a sci-fi fan. Girl, Deep Space Nine, oh. nerd. Oh, my goodness. I was looking for it. And then I bought, for, the, for some reason, I think I had the book for a while, and I just... It's a book that I only open when I fly, and it's um, a girl on the train. Oh, my goodness. And they had like eight. Somebody had like a bunch of those copies. I'm yeah. I'm like, get it because yeah. I can't see it. But I, I like that, but it really helps me calm down during the flight for some reason. The thrillerness yeah, part of it makes you calm? Oh, I, no, I wouldn't even be able to sleep. I, no, I know, especially <laughs> the beginning. Like, when I'm like, is this, what's going on with this narrator? What's going on? <laughs> but, um, nah, but I think the book sales are a great way to um, introduce people to the library, too. I, yes. I hope so. I've seen. So, the the, the the big one that just took place at the Omar Shrine, 
that was huge. Yes. So how did you end up? How did that? How what was? How did you measure success from all these huge book sales? We um pretty much we track how many guests we welcome and we track our sales. Uh-huh. So we market to the community and try to get people in to buy the books. Uh-huh. And this past book sale was record breaking. It was very successful, and we're wow. so grateful not only for the volunteers that put in the work to yeah. make it a success, but for the community members that showed up because I mean, people want to read. People. I mean, it was diverse. Yes. It was amazing. Shout out to the Sankofa Library um, that has the free library outside of the Charleston Chronicle. Um, I cannot remember what her name is that runs that account also on Instagram. I want to say Jeanette. Jeanette. I, I, is it? Shout I, out. I'm, I'm a friend of hers now, and I'm we've a, been bumping into each I other. I got to get her in her next. Yes. I'm, like, I'm going to go on the tear of just book lovers. They come book. to every book sale, yeah. and I just really love Instagram's what they're everything. doing for the community. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, like it's, it's people like you and the Sankofa Library. Like, they're they're showing people the power of sharing the, the written word yes. and history. And sh- exactly. That's I, I love that page because of that too they also leveraged the archive and introduced people to history and represented like you know in really dope ways and i I really wish people understood that i think people do and i hate to sound preachy i think people do yeah yeah i think books are having a moment right now they really are um the 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 written word is not dead (laughs) no 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 No, it's it's on the rise and libraries are offering so much more they they most of i mean for the most part they they have always offered more than just books i mean libraries are safe havens Mm -hmm. they um, yep. offer job training. They right. offer resume workshops. Um, summer you. reading is huge. We fund yeah. summer reading program, which hits every single yeah. branch and serves wow. thousands of people. And yeah, I mean, and I'm going to do more to advertise that or to like help spread that word because I think a lot of people don't know what options are there. Uh, the tax help was huge. Oh yeah, was huge this year for me. I'm free like, notary yeah, at the library. You notary. can get married at the library you really if you could. want to. Yes. You really <laughs> So you talk about taxes, marriage, um, and also too, just on like a, a note as an activist, I really love the fact that we don't rush like the the people who are housing insecure. You know, they can just rest in the library. Those mm-hmm. who you know, though, our homeless population. I don't feel like it's criminalized, and I'm not trying to say it's a shelter, but at the mm-hmm. same time, just the way um, I've heard other librarians in other cities talk about that, like you know, that's what the library is supposed to be—a mm-hmm. place for safe for everyone to feel safe in. Yeah, this past yeah. year we actually um, hosted a screening of the movie The Public, oh. which. Um, is talking about urban homelessness and the role of the library in the community. Wow. Um, yeah. So oh, wow. I'm going to have to stream the that. The library is for everyone. There you go. Everyone. That's why I love it so much. I actually was in, I'm, I'm almost in the library every day. And it sounds, um, you, it sounds like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I didn't realize how important the library was to me until this year specifically um, when I chose to move. Well, a couple years ago, I chose to move out of a co-working space because of the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, okay, let me just try to do what I can in the library. And it's been like a, a, a it's been a just a godsend. And when I, like you said, you just rattled off so many different services and how and ways it helps the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people who find either resources on how to do something or run a business, mm-hmm. um, or I'll, uh, there'll be an event or an art exhibit by a friend or, or something like that. It's just really just an endless resource. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you, go back to your IG presence. Yes. So tell me, like, I want you to, like, a little bit, because you're very humble, <laughs> but I want you to brag about, I want you to tell me more about your IG account and where people can find you online. If it's not just IG, is it Twitter? Is it, is it okay. Pinterest? But yeah. Um, I am Janelle Nicole Reads, and that's J E A N as in Nancy, E L L. 
Nicole mm-hmm. Reads, R-E-A-D-S. Um, and I pretty much, like I was telling you before, just share what I read daily, what I'm reading with my kids. Wow. The genres that I read range. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm a Zora Neale Hurston fan, and I, I also read LGBTQYA books. I read yes. a children's book, and I moved to tears. Um, <laughs> I... My favorite authors are very diverse. Um, there are like two genres that I don't don't read, okay. and one is thriller. Oh. <laughs> so the girl on the train, uh-uh, uh, not having like I can't oh. do suspense or thriller. I will okay. have nightmares. And then I'm not a huge sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. fan, but that may have to be with just my upbringing mm-hmm. and just the demographics of what we're, we're uh, programmed to believe oh, okay. are the readers of that genre. Oh. Recently attending uh, Y'all Fest, mm-hmm. I saw many, many, many black and brown uh, people who were fans of that genre mm-hmm. um, and excited about authors that were there. So I'm excited to dig in a little bit. Right. I, so a couple weeks ago, I did, it all, um, did an interview with Eden Royce, who is Southern Gothic horror or she, yeah, that's her genre. Mm-hmm. So um, she's over in, in England, but she is from here. I really, w- I don't know if you you probably didn't listen to it yet, but like listen to that episode. I think. Will I be scared? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because the Gullah stories to me. Like, Ooh, I, did you post some of this mm-hmm. stuff on Halloween? Yeah, I slid <laughs> right past those. I was like, nope. <laughs> No, no, too scared. Girl, there's a couple in her in her in her book Spook Lights that are just more like they they're more like they remind me of like if Lifetime movies met um, uh, Anne Rice meets uh, um, what's her name Jemison. Uh, uh, it's it's good though. They're not really? they're not scary. It's more like curses and like don't let the hag. You Ooh, know. Okay. hags hags are scary. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I was like. <laughs> Like, oh, no, I won't even go into like okay. my mother with the holy water. Oh, no. My mom would not let me bring in one of those books. She said, what's this? Because I got it from the library. It was um, do- something on Dr. Buzzard. She's like, oh, you got to leave that in the car. Uh. I'm like, mom, <laughs> I'm not, you know. Yeah, sprinkling. <laughs> sprinkling. Got the rosary yeah. ready. No, you're right. Yeah. No, but I am happy that you said that you saw other people of color and black yeah. people enjoying those genres. Because they're not. That's the thing. Um, Some of the, those notable authors, authors that I've been reading this year in fantasy and sci-fi, mm-hmm. they've said that. They've said that you know um is anyone going to read a book that's a you know that has a, a, a black protagonist exactly you know we we have to imagine ourselves in these spaces yes you know? yes yeah, we do that's what, um, and I, i'm seeing more of it lately yeah. and i'm excited to to try even <laughs> if i'm not a huge fan i want to try i don't want nk jemison uh, that's who you should read okay i think yeah black futures um yeah i think there is some afrofuturism type mm-hmm. deals i i'm getting even more into that as well um, shout out to my friend Sarah McKeever too. Like, just just kind of reimagining the future. The not the sequelizer of the Nine Negro Teeth of George Washington. That's a good one for you to read. I have heard of that book. It's a short story. It's a short oh, story. Oh my I'm goodness! I'm gonna email you that. So Is it about him like getting his teeth from slaves? Yep. Oh and my goodness! Each tooth, and each slave tooth has a story behind what? it. You like that? You were like, that's not scary because it's just it's just like to me it's more. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but that's but those are the things that are fun to kind of just see ourselves in those spaces. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So on your page, so when people open your IG, what are they gonna see? Uh, they'll see. <laughs> my last read they'll see yeah, they'll see awesome photography oh no so what are you using? thank you iphone my yeah. iphone i am <laughs> well i have i think an eight plus i'm not even sure oh, um <laughs> so i put it in portrait mode and that's how i get a lot of my photos and then oh. i use 
v, is it VSCO? Vesco, yes, that. Um, yeah. And so I like M5. That filter has like warm tones because I'm brown and oh, I want to highlight my brownness. Um, I love that you share too because a lot of people don't like to share. Oh no, yeah, and I I use all the free stuff. No, so M5 okay. is the filter it. that oh. um, I use. Because they yeah. look so good. Well, and I thank love you. I, so, so I work with the artist, um, Benny Starr. Again, bingo game. Bingo <laughs> game. Um, but I use Vesco, too. And people yeah. have, like, I don't, I, I do have a DSLR and I have other cameras, but it's just when you're on the go. Yes. And I know they yeah. have, you know, Wi-Fi on these cameras. I, I, don't, I don't have extra $900 to get the yeah. whole kit. I got a, a, a hand-me-down camera, but... That's been a godsend. Like, you don't have to spend a lot of money just to take You don't. So I just want to comment. Lighting is important. Very, so, I mean, very. and you can get the perfect shot. No, oh. I really do like to highlight the book. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll pop in there with my face every <laughs> once in a while, but know, only on a good day. Yeah, my brown hand with the same bracelet. I've been wearing the same bracelet <laughs> since you. January 1st. So that's yeah. called um, <laughs> a signature. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, for those listening, this is Mic'd Up on Om. I'm your host, Mika Gatz, and I'm here with my friend Janelle Marvin of <laughs> the Charleston Friends of the Library. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Janelle Reeves on Instagram. Um, so we're here talking about our love of books, her role with Charleston Fr- as executive director of the Charleston Friends of the Library. And we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but I just want to make sure I get through all the questions I want. So. I wanted to know more about you as a reader. I think mm-hmm. you and I both have that in common, but I think you, it's not a competition, but I think you beat me. No, <laughs> no, not a competition no, at all. I like, know, but, but tell me about your, when you first fell in love with, re- with reading. Oh, I've been reading for as long as I can remember. My mom said I started at the age of four, um, and I frequented the library. Uh, I grew up in the Bronx, so it was a, like maybe 12, 14 blocks away from um, where I was living in the projects. Aww. And... Um, And it was my safe space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was quiet. Mm -hmm. It was warm. And there were stories surrounding me. So it was just like the perfect spot so I would you could find me there weekly entering all the contests and winning Yankees tickets winning t-shirts I mean it was it was fun um it kind of died down when I started having children and um got married and started my teaching career um because I am a former educator uh but maybe about three or four years ago one of my friends from um New York just like rekindled that flame in me and we just started reading a book together and talking about it and before you knew it it was like I'm gonna read like every day Mm. and it became a form of self-care because it's still an escape it's still a way to learn it's it fuels me so yeah yeah. Yeah, I I think again I said this earlier I think it grounds me as well when when the world gets a little too chaotic and not just news and and activist issues but I'm talking about like with you right you have your your family to take care of or Mm -hmm. you know you're a leader in your home um, sometimes you just need a little me time. Yes. Yeah, and you, like even get out of your own head. Exactly. Somebody else's Exactly. Head. Someone else's familial yeah, like issues and family right. drama. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to live here for a minute because mine is just too much. That's me right now trying to finish Washington Black that I've been having for years. But no, like exactly that. And I found that that kind of like I guess meditation's always been about like um, – focusing on one singular thing and blocking out some distractions. I feel like reading is meditative in so many ways because I can only focus on that, you know, that, that, that subject matter in front of me Mm -hmm. is very meditative. So, so you grew up in the Bronx, familiar with books and what age did you start reading? Four. That's amazing. Yeah. No. Oh, far (laughs) from it. No. Just, just a book nerd. That's all. Just someone that. Who introduced you to read it? I would say my mom Mm -hmm. um, was a big advocate for reading, and she always made sure, though they were few. Mm 
um, at the time, she always made sure that we had books with kids that look like us Ooh. because it made a huge difference. And she was also the type of mom that would be like, you bored? Go grab a book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. So though. that was just something, you know, yeah. that was always available to me. And then yeah. having access to the library, it that's was huge. It, it is true. And I think that's all amazing because I, I did both for some reason. I did TV and books, which mm-hmm. you don't even get me into that. But at least <laughs> I was watching a lot of PBS. Yes. Like, that was good. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with TV. No, my, no. my, I mean, my yeah. husband is not a reader at yeah. all. Like, oh. he would prefer to watch a movie. He loves the cinematography, the musical score. It. He feels like he can't get that experience with books, and I'm still trying to convince him still, that he can. He's very sensory. Yes, driven. yes. I get that, though, and, I, and I'm and i so happy that you said that because I think, too, a lot of times when I've, I've encountered some people are put off by, you know, oh, me touting books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I think they think I'm doing something elitist. And I and I have to take into account not just, not that uh, I'm not saying that your husband has a disability, but some people just receive the written word differently. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I have a friend who was diagnosed with dyslexia when he was an undergrad. Wow. And he's a voracious reader, but like it, it changed the way he interacted with the written word. Mm-hmm. So we have to always kind of, that's why I tell people audiobooks are cool. Oh, I'm listening to one right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah, I love that you do. That. Yes, yeah. my commute. That's yeah. I'm knocking them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like not, shout out to like all these Bluetooth speakers that are like waterproof. I'm like, <laughs> especially if I'm traveling, it's right there in the shower. Exactly. I, I love it. But um, yeah, I think as long as we get people acquainted with. Um, the written word. I think just however we get them there in any format. And as yes. a teacher, I was Aww. I was one to highly encourage graphic novels. You know, because mm. I've heard some people say, "Oh, that's not reading." You know, yeah, but I'm you're re- you're you're taking in a story that's right. reading. Right. Whether you're listening to it, right. looking at pictures, you're feeling it. You know, it's storytelling will live forever. Aww. I mean, it makes humans go on forever. Aww. Okay, so this is the, the next two questions. I'm probably gonna wrap it up with All right. you, and then come back with some political hot takes that everyone's probably waiting for. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get to ramble for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you. You had a high-profile guest come to this year's Black Ink Festival. For those who don't know, can you explain what Black Ink yes. is? Really quick? Yes. Black Ink is um, a Charleston African American book festival where we celebrate and promote. Um, black authors in the low country or from the low country and beyond. So we did have our fourth annual Black yeah. Ink Festival. That was amazing. So last year was Terry McMillan. Shout out to Brittany who made that happen. And this year we had Nikki Giovanni. Yes. And let me tell you, when I say I was jelly, <laughs> I was jealous that I didn't get to go to this one. Um, how was it just, just being around this? It this was <laughs> it was life changing. Mm. I felt like, I mean, I w- we were in the presence of someone who sat mm. down and had tea with Rosa Parks oh and would share like some gin or something right. with Maya Angela. Right. Like she shared all these yeah. stories and oh. the, the late Toni Morrison. Yeah. Um, and just to be in her presence and hear her story. I felt like I was listening to a sermon uh, while also mm. simultaneously um, sitting in one of her classes. You know, she's an educator at Virginia Tech. Right, right. Um, so I felt like her student. I felt I, I, she told stories. She made us laugh. She made us cry. She made us praise. Like, oh. it was just so moving. Oh. And it was nice to, to be in that space. And also, shout out to all the authors yeah. that were at Black Ink. Yeah, um, yeah. We had so many people from various genres showcasing their work and readers coming out to support them. Oh. So our goal is to, to continue to grow right. um, and to offer that safe space because in the publishing industry um it's very tough for um black authors yeah Yeah, exactly no that's awesome oh i had a good question too a follow-up question to that oh 
you can't tell us or anything like that, but do you have an idea who might be next year? I don't. Okay, I don't. I'm just saying, but Jerry McMillan and Nikki G. I know, we just keep going up. Like, you got, you got <laughs> 20 Morris's hologram coming Oh, out. shut up. <laughs> No, no. I we may need to bring a male in. Uh, we had Marcus Amaker, who's our Charleston um, yeah, poet laureate. Poet laureate. Mm-hmm. Um, he was our very first one, oh, and he, was? he helped. He's our inaugural uh, keynote. I didn't know that. Yes, he um, held it down last year. I saw him. Yes, Marcus. Yay. <laughs> um, and then second year was Kwame Alexander. Oh, okay, yeah. And so we've had two males, two females. It's probably time to bring in a male. Jason Reynolds, where you at? Oh, no, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just playing. That'd be amazing. No, that'd be amazing. <laughs> or Jericho Brown too. Like I know. Marcus oh, he was just Wasn't here. He awesome? Yes, we got to do it right next no, to each other. You were good. No. <laughs> you got him the Pepsi oh, yeah. He only drinks Coke, yeah. but th- oh. they only had Pepsi. Well, he was like, I hope she. When you left, he's like, I hope she'd be able to find him. No, she's very industrious. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm gonna get you something to drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I loved him because just his perspective is everything. I, I just, I'm. He was amazing. He was amazing. I still, when I'm reading mm-hmm. his book now, mm-hmm. I'm reading it in his voice yep. and his pacing and his. And his yes, yes. I, I was telling Marcus about that the other day. Like I just. I can't I like see, get his voice I out of my head. It. I see the same green shirt. Yes, <laughs> the lighting, yeah. everything. I'm in that room again. Yeah, it's he, amazing. And, and, the, and the, the the radical idea that you can just make your own genre, like you can just oh. just create your own form of yes. poetry. It's, ridic- it's ridiculous. That boldness. Bold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay, that that was one. And I wanted to. Know, oh, what's another good question? Let me look at the list that I'm looking at. Da, 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 da. Oh, not gonna ask you who your favorite author. Um, not you're gonna ask you your favorite book, but your favorite author. Yeah, favorite books would be so hard. Okay. Favorite author. <laughs> Um, okay, I will say this. Uh-huh. One of my favorite, my recent faves, uh-huh. I'll give you this book, uh-huh. um, Colson Whitehead, Ooh. The Nickel Boys. So that's good. That's, it's in my top five yep. of all time. Okay. Um, haunted me for weeks. Very, yeah. very beautiful yeah. historical fiction story. Mm. Um, but some favorite authors would include Jacqueline Woodson, Jason Reynolds. I repeat, Jason Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished his middle grade book, Look Both Ways. Um, and I believe it's a finalist for a National Book yes, Award. Yes, So uh, that one... Um, who else do I enjoy? Uh, Tayari Jones. Ooh. Oh my gosh, an American marriage. Okay, beautiful, beautiful story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna go back after I record this, and in the show notes, I'm gonna include. Links yes. To what? Do you cover any of those books on your on your Instagram? Yeah, you can find. I'm um, just scroll. You'll yeah. see my little brown hand holding oh. one of those books. <laughs> so I'll definitely <laughs> include that in the show notes, and I'll include. I'll listen back to what you listed yeah. as your favorites. Anything coming up for the library that you want people to know about? Yes, I would love people to know that we have our holiday book sale happening at the Mount Pleasant Regional Branch on December 6th and 7th. So we'll have lots of books ranging in genres, you know, sci-fi for you and fiction, (laughs) (laughs) contemporary fiction, historical fiction, cookbooks, everything. Um, And every single dollar raised goes right back into the library system, Charleston County Public Library. You are a treasure. I appreciate you. Thank you you for having me. This was so fun. Okay, I'm going to have you come back. I feel like we could talk forever. It's going to be me, you, um, Sankofa, Jeanette, yes, from yes, Jeanette from Sankofa, yes. Jeanette from Sankofa. And Jason Reynolds. It, it, <laughs> okay. okay, I'll stop. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take a little break. Let me oh, let me just clear it up. Again, this is Mika Gadsden with Mike's Up on Ohm. You, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a little music break. <laughs> Tear my mics off. I'm sorry for y'all. We've been cackling, so sorry for your, ear, your earbuds. Sound <laughs> impact on our traditions and the culture, well, you know, what we ate, how we lived. Water is, is, is the life force, is rebirth and renewal. You know, it's real spiritual. And water also 
takes the form that it needs to take in order to do what it's purpose to do. And as I'm here in Charleston, in a city that's literally underwater, a city that in many ways has been the gateway to the black experience in America, with so many of its people still under the thumb of oppression, there is no more perfect metaphor. For me, it's not an absence of fear. It's embracing the fear, using it to go forward. It's not an absence of love, pain, strength, or vulnerability, but it's embracing all of it, owning all of it, and using it to push forward. It's the spirit of creativity, collaboration, and community. It's restlessness and rage, poetry, jazz. It's healing. It's beautiful. It's black. And it's political. Like me. Like my people. And that's a water album. Yeah. I stare death in the face gracefully Over mimosas, cheese, crepes and pastries Caressing life in the small of her back Smiling, she turns the smile back Through a foundation of facts My hands on her spine Dividing page after page I peek into my past and my future I can read the psalms on a parchment Gripped by the sweaty palms of a prophet I can see the chakras in the sutras My life is clothed in a spiritual cloth I dice clothes in my ritual broth I'm as wild as the Scottish summer isles I'm a god in my African garb On the white sand beaches of Zanzibar I am a traveling man Land so expansive Official transcripts of my transit Don't enhance it I can feel the thread from the loom On the bed I'm going dying The hospital room I re-arriving at the resurrection Yeah, come on, feel it A little bread, a little wine And it's fine at the resurrection Yeah Can you picture me naked, sacred, and sublime at the resurrection? Yeah, yeah. I've died several times and now I rise at the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. A little bread, a little wine, and it's... I am the joy of an innocent boy. I am the blessed overtones of those double X chromosomes. I'm a critical study, exceptional math. I'm theory and praxis, the intellectual class. I am doubtful. I am hopeful. I am vocal and I'm complex. Holy city, black local in a global context. I'm the history and the prophecy. I'm benevolent. I'm heirs property swallowed up by development. Uh, I am depression and expression. I'm water and blood. I am the comfort and the company misery loves. I am the solemn oath and the broken promises, the feelings of desire, the higher consciousness. I am burdened, feeling unworthy, though I am alive. I am feeling lost on a journey, though I have arrived. Needing moments of my own peace, though I am denied. Every day I cry a little inside, hoping to rise at the resurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bread, a little wine is fine at the resurrection. Yeah. Can you picture me naked, sacred, and sublime at the resurrection? Yeah. Yeah. I've died several times and now I rise at the resurrection. Yeah. Uh, come on. A little bread, a little wine, and it's... I am the fruitful bud of African native folks ushered into bondage for garments. I am the revelatory shine of gold and fine diamonds mined from those remote climates. I'm the work song, the blues lick. I am the orphans improvisation. Got my chances. stuff back together. Hopefully y'all. <laughs> Hopefully y'all still hang with me. Shout out to the homies any star. Shout out to Resurrection. I played that because uh the homie was recently uh 
awarded the, the city paper, awarded Benny Starr with Album of the Year. It's an honor um, that he earned because you, those listening, those who are fans of his music, um, all hit, headed to the, the keyboard and, and voted for him and voted for a water album. So I wanted to pay homage to my friend and collaborator, Benny, um, by playing a little bit of Resurrection and so helping me also to recalibrate. This is Mika Gadsden. You're listening to Miked Up on OM, a weekly radio uh, show based on really activism, anything centered around black lives, black music, black expression, black politics, all of that. Um, we just had an amazing guest, Janelle. We left really awkwardly, but hey, was new. Um, Janelle is the executive director of the Charleston Friends of the Library, and she just was an amazing, amazing force. I we just, I'm sorry if y'all's earbuds were just like sacrificed, but it was fun. And um, I do look forward to having Janelle back in as soon as possible with some other friends and we can be just as messy and, and fun and, and loud as, as we want to be. Um, and yeah, so we started off talking about the library and it's just, just an amazing source for the resource for the community. Uh, it's where I spend a lot of my time um, throughout the entire County of Charleston. I'm either at Wando, I'm at Johns Island. I'm at the main branch here down here um, on Calhoun. Um, it, you know, it's just, just a great resource where you could do virtually anything at the library. Um, you know, you can rest at the library, you can read at the library, do your taxes, get help with literacy, uh, you know, visit a, a provocative or, or thought-provoking and heartwarming art ex exhibition. It's just so many great resources there. So shout out to all those people who make our library great. Shout out to all the people who come out and go to the book sales that are held throughout the year and support the library. So that's dope. They had a record-setting year so awesome um i'm gonna make a little bit of an awkward segue into um let me see like current events um i just wanted to talk about uh you know things that are going on i've been i haven't been in the studio for quite some time i've either pre-recorded shows and had them uh air and things of that nature but basically i have been very engaged with our current political climate for those who don't know um, you know, of course, South Carolina is a state that is uh, very important in presidential politics because well, uh, we are an early primary state. Uh, and so that means that we get a lot of attention from those who are running for president, specifically within the Democratic Party. Being an early primary state also means um, that this state is more diverse. So, you know, you have your Iowa's and your New Hampshire's, but being here in the Black Belt um, in the South you, the, our primary is going to represent more of what the Democratic electorate looks like, um, which is largely black and, and female. So we play an important role. And I won't spend too much time on, on presidential politics because that's important. However, I will kind of just pivot to local politics. We had um, local mayoral elections here. Again, something else that I've been very um, engrossed in. I've, I've been very just connected to these issues because I am the now state coordinator with Black Voters Matter. And so, um, you know, I want to go where the people are. I want to talk to people about their elections, black communities specifically, um, not just, you know, about voting, about a myriad of issues, but voting is just something that's a current topic. So with the current mayoral elections in both North Charleston and Charleston, um, you know, I was able to kind of connect with some leaders. And so shout out to like uh, the Charity Foundation, Reverend, um, Reverend Nelson Rivers Church and the Shonda and Miss Trudy Lucas over there. Um, shout out to all of those who just do so much around um, getting people out to vote and also providing election protections. And shout out to the um, Legal Defense Fund, NAACP, uh, Black Voters Matter everywhere. 
Um, and so this this past election, I kind of spent time with partners new and old. I sat down with uh, community members and other executive directors who happen to be African-American and just trying to get a sense as to what the priorities are for these different communities. Again, we're not a monolith, right? Uh, and so I wanted to talk to a vast kind of a vast kind of uh, you know just a very different type of, of of leadership within the black community, and um, it was really great to see people engaged on so many different issues. Uh, out of North Charleston, we had uh, I'm not going to go through each candidate, but basically the incumbent Mayor Sumney won, and this is his I believe 11th time. He's been in office over 25 years, which is bananas. Oh, it's so wild. Um, that's not good for any community, as was um, Mayor Riley being in office for 40 years was a problem, y'all. Um, you know, you don't want the type of hypertenure in your elected offices. Um, but I guess people get comfortable with certain familiar faces here. Um, but, yeah, so Mayor Sumney um, is the mayor of North Charleston. M- North Charleston is a city that has a huge black population. Um, and he actually had some stiff competition. Um, the person who came came closest to unseating him um, was the candidate, uh, Singleta- Singletary. Um, Singletary came very close. Had it not been for, I believe, maybe some other candidates, I think that um, the African-American community probably would have chosen uh, Singletary to be uh, to, to defeat uh, Sumney. But uh, the vote was split significantly, and that wasn't able to happen. History wasn't able to be made. But, um, yeah, it made, it made me think about, you know, how we decide who runs or how people come to certain conclusions, even with the presidential election, or at least on the Democratic side. It's a very crowded field still. We have over, what, over 12 people still in um, running for the nomination to run for president. And I think that's a sign of health. Don't get me wrong. But I think when we get hyper local, we really do have to think about who run and who doesn't. And um, in the North Charleston race, we had someone run who might have needed to just maybe take a step back. And what they ended up doing is splitting the vote. So I do believe that you should start out, make your case. I think, you know, the more the merrier. I think that's a sign of a healthy democracy. But I also think that people who run, they should be motivated by really great ideas and um, a well-run machine or well-run operation that's going to get them, catapult them to a a specific threshold of success and not just – kind of be effective enough just to split the vote and confuse people um i think it's important to know why we run it and as black folk i'm not saying that only one black candidate can run for for any one seat i'm not saying that at all but i do think we need to look a little closer um at why we're running and is this a vanity campaign is this what is this for how many elections have you looked for are you are you seat shopping that's a big thing that happens so your motivation to me matters a lot so, yeah, so the the folks in North Charleston did vote for Mayor Sumney. He will, I believe this, he said this was his last term, um, but that's a long time to hold on to power. And just think about how much generational uh, change that he, well, just think about how much control he's had over a generation, over several generations while in office. And just let's think about if that's good for our, for our collective communities. The um the mayor the the mayoral race for the city of Charleston was a little tighter and I think a lot of people predicted a very tight race with front runners being uh Mike Seekings and uh the incumbent mayor, Mayor Tecklenburg. Uh that race was so tight that we have a runoff and that runoff is next week, the nineteenth. So um we've already seen the ads. They're very, very aggressive on both sides. The both sides are saying one thing or another. Um 
from the from the just the the outside looking in, what it looks like is that um, Mike Seekins has positioned himself to be a leader as someone who's going to bring solutions to the flooding and other environmental issues here. Um, and Tecklenburg is saying, no, 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 I've been a leader on that issue. I voted this way. I've supported this. I've supported that. Um, and so, but understand that Tecklenburg is a developer too. So that's that. So both sides have pros and cons. I'm not going to weigh in specifically. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to weigh in specifically on this race. Um, and not just because I don't live in the city of Charleston, I live in the County of Charleston. I don't live in the city of Charleston, but because I really, um, I don't know. I, I feel like they're a lot. To, they're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, but I do know that my friends who are, are advocates for the environment believe in Mike Seekins. And, um, you know, I did stop Mike Seekins on the street one day at a light. Saw him over there near the aquarium near East Bay. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, and I didn't give him an earful. I just told him, like, look, you know, we look into you to, to do some things some really positive things where, where the environment's concerned. Um, and I was thinking specifically of the folks near uh, Gadsden Creek, the folks who live in Gadsden Green, the housing projects over there. Um, uh, so, you know, it's yet to be seen what happens. It's going to be a nice tight runoff, I'm sure, next week. So I do encourage everyone who's listening to this show today. Uh, it is um, Friday, the Friday before the runoff. So, um, if you're out there and you're thinking about voting, please make sure you get down there and vote for mayor of the city of Charleston, whoever you choose. I just hope that you get out there and exercise your right to vote. Um, yeah, but the time of, of this call, it is, um, the 15th of November. So, um, if you listen to it after the 19th and, you know, it's the moot point, but make sure you participate in your local elections and moving forward, hopefully I'll have shows that, that do better with, um, Kind of, um, you know, taking a look at the current races. I, I kind of just, I got so distracted with other things um, and a new job and, and so many different things going on and traveling more for my job. Um, but I will be kind of doing a deep dive and doing more of a, just like a recap and I, I'll frame the election and, and the prominent figures the best way I can. Um, usually I, what I like to do is apply a, a racial analysis to the news. And so that's been important for me to do that. Um, and that's what I'll do next time um, in the coming shows. After the election, what I want to do is, like, whoever's elected, kind of do more of a deep dive into both. Um, but like I said, the, the presidential politics has really taken up a lot of air from a lot of people. Um, also, too, I only got 10 minutes left. Uh, I wanted to just kind of just reestablish uh, some other things popping off. Uh, you know, Nikki Haley just... Uh, she just launched her book tour. I don't know. I don't know the name of her book. I don't care to know the name of her book. Um, I just want to say this: Nikki Haley is scheduled to um, speak at. I'm going to open up my Facebook account, so I got a lot of messages. But um, it was recently. It was. Um, uh, I, it was recently hmm, uh, announced that she would be. Um, she would be a speaker, a keynote speaker. Uh, at the College of Charleston, and um, I'm going to pull up, pull up, pull up. Yeah, I'm pulling up the uh, the link I got from, um, I'm trying to get the dates correct. Yeah, here we go. No, that's not it. But basically, she's going to be speaking. She's going to be receiving an award, um, unfortunately, um, uh, at the College of Charleston. It's a woman's award or, or something like that. I'm trying to find it. Every other time I can find everything else, this is just that kind of day. I need an assistant. If there's anyone listening out there, please. 
I don't have any, you know, salary to pay you, but if you could help me during my show, it'd be great. Maybe that's what I need to do. Go back to having a board op so I can do more. Okay, I'm pulling up right here. So my friend Rita, shout out to Rita. Rita's one of the th most thorough uh, accomplices, getaway car drivers that I've ever met. Um, Rita put me on to, yeah, so Nikki Haley will be um, the keynote speaker for the Women, the Women for Women Summit at the College of Charleston in uh, February 2020. Um, and so I'm encouraging everyone to um, pretty much boycott this event in any way you can, be it letter writing, phone calls, emails, to um, the president of uh, the College of Charleston. I'll spell that email address, H-S as in Sam, U-A-T as in Tiger, at C of C dot E-D-U. Um, I believe the president's last name is Sue. Please, I'm sorry if I pronounced it, mispronounced it. Andrew Sue, president of the College of Charleston. Also, Alan Show, uh, the dean uh, of School of Business, the event organizer. Um, spelled S as in Sam, H-A-O-A, -A, at CFC dot E-D-U. Um, I don't think Nikki Haley should be receiving any award. Um, and this is my point. So Nikki Haley recently launched a book tour. She's talking about her time as the U.N. ambassador and her time in politics, of course, as the governor, as the former governor of South, of South Carolina. Nikki Haley, while... She is a, a, what I would call a competent executive. She's been, um, in my opinion, uh, a leader behind some of the most um, most problematic issues. Um, she refused the Medicaid expansion. That's my biggest issue with Nikki Haley was out of partisanship, she refused the Medicaid expansion in a state that already has a population of poor people, black and white, um, struggling for access to health care. And at the time she did this, it, this was a time where African-American women uh, were becoming the face of HIV AIDS infections um, in the state. And it was an epidemic and it still is an epidemic going on here in the state. And so while this community was in crisis and literally erecting bull billboards to talk up to get the governor's attention, um, this woman turned her back on this community and said it was because she, business was the priority. People, people. It was a Fox News, a Fox News um, clip that I found yesterday in the library, where she said that businesses were businesses and jobs, and because unemployment was at ten percent, her focus needed to be on economics. And it was such a great spin, and I mean great in a very sarcastic way. But she was able to deny people health care and access to health care and ignore ignore people struggling with HIV AIDS and also the opioid epidemic at the time too was a big focus. And so she, by, by refusing that Medicaid expansion, she denied pe millions of people access to healthcare um, and um, was very, very open about wooing these industries because she, of course she's wooing these, these companies and corporations here because she can offer them low wage, a low wage workforce um, that wouldn't unionize because it's, it's an at will employment state. And so, you know, she served up her most vulnerable people to these corporations for jobs that are like for jobs that, you know, are, are very demanding. We, we are seeing what's happening at Boeing. Boeing is in the headlines almost every week, either um, because of the crashes, uh, the, the catastrophic crashes that took place, um, you know, uh, at, because of the 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 leadership at Boeing, ignoring certain red flags and certain employees talking about rushed you know, rush production. Um, the 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 workforce has not been allowed to unionize, and these are the corporations she she brought here. 
Um, so again, she served up a, 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 vul- a vulnerable uh, constituency and denied healthcare in the process, and was more more interested in wooing these businesses and having that on her record. But what was really egregious, what was really offensive, was when Nikki Haley this week disclosed that she had PTSD. I believe this is a, a part of her book. She disclosed that she had PTSD from the Mother Emanuel um, shootings. And what I found to be very offensive about that was how dare you come out and position yourself as a, a leader or an advocate of mental health awareness or, or health or health awareness. And I know a lot of people don't like that I, I question this. I will question. I absolutely will question this timely disclosure of a condition during the time of your book launch when you're on almost every single network, every single channel, on every single radio radio show, that you know, talk radio show, peddling this book. You want to disclose about how the horrors of Mother Emanuel, these black deaths, have, have traumatized you. How dare you center yourself? Not one time did you start any type of trauma initiative or, any, or offer any type of resources that would help folks. You know, you, you participated in bringing down the flag, but that was only after corporations started pulling money. Shout out to my friend Lauren for bringing that to my attention. Only until money started to be um, an issue did you decide to get a conscience. So I will not let Nikki Haley, I will not let people sanitize her um, her legacy, sanitize her record here as a leader. I won't allow people to ignore what she did. She turned her back on a lot of people. We have um, issues with um, uh, maternal morta- uh, maternal birth. Oh, uh, mothers dying, pregnant black mothers dying due to lack of access to health care. We have hospitals closing throughout the state, especially in the rural south. And this is all because we don't have access. We don't have what we need. And Nikki Haley is the person that put a lot of this in motion. She wasn't the she's not the blame of all of it, but that is her record. She definitely put lives at risk and a lot of people lost their lives as a result. Um, and so um, it's, it's, it's just really um, interesting to see people welcome her back because she was the, the governor during a, a tragedy. Much like with Giuliani, we're trying to give her the Giuliani treatment where we dub her America's whatever because she just happened to be the, the person in charge um, during a, 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 a tragedy, a white supremacist massacre. No, she won't be. That's not her legacy. Her legacy is not only turning her back on her constituency, but then going and signing up to work for an administration who had key figures who were prominently figured in white supremacy, white supremacy literature or, or outlets like Breitbart. You chose to work for a president who said that there were good people on both sides. You chose to work for Trump after opposing him as you stood next to cash, um, sit next to um, uh, Marco Rubio. You you lost your conscience then. So as again, she's slated to work uh, to come to the College of Charleston in February. She's slated to come and to receive an award. And I hope that people are are thinking about protesting her uh, her appearance. I will be mounting a protest. I don't know what form. I'm not going to tip my hand on the air. But it's time to that to make sure that we don't let her rewrite history. And Nikki Haley will be held for, to account for the lives she impacted for the people that we lost to HIV AIDS, to the people that we lost um, in, in, in childbirth, to the people we lost due to the opioid crisis, to the people we lost for, to a myriad of health issues. And we're not going to let people forget that she chose, she willfully worked for a white supremacist um, administration. And yes, I'm going to call it that. But when you have Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller in the White House and countless others, Seb Gorka, people who are wearing white supremacist insignia in the White House, that's a white supremacist administration. And that's not our first white supremacist president. 
So um, until next time, y'all stay black, stay stay current, read some books, and um, please make sure, please make sure you you tell Kyle Charleston how you feel about Nikki Haley coming to receive an award in February. Take care. <laughs>